All right, would you join me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Amen. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's really good to be with you. I, I am sort of glad that we're not freezing uh, our tails off. I've got a dog in my lap. This is the first time I've preached with a dog in my lap, so it's all new things today. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Deb, and I'm part of the College of Preachers, and I'm going to be sharing with you guys this morning. So we have been in a series, as Ben mentioned, um, on the Sermon on the Mount, living the politics of Jesus in a partisan America. And I mean, you can open up any news app, listen to any news channel and see that we're in a contentious and divided time. Christians are either getting sucked into like this us and them antagonism and polarity of American politics, or they're trying to stay above it all, ignoring it, or trying to be neutral or spiritual. But really, none of these options is, is faithful to the political vision that Jesus sets before us in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving us nothing less than a new way of being human in the world, a new political order, a new way to live based on what's real, and Jesus stands among us as king and makes claims about where history is going and therefore how we relate to each other, how we practice justice together, how we deal with money, with offenses, with enemies. This is what we mean when we say the word politics, all the ways how we as people relate to each other. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's political manifesto inviting us into a different way. And today we focus on Matthew 6, where in the middle of this manifesto, he gives us a prayer. And friends, the good news that we proclaim today is that we're not abandoned to figure out how to live out his politics of love in our own strength, on our own, but our loving and generous Father gives us prayer as a gift, opening up full access to his kingdom power. And this gift, it enables us, it empowers us to partner with him in living out the politics of his love. Now, I don't know about you, uh, my experience lately has been, and don't get me wrong, Hearing the vision each Sunday about Jesus's politics of love is amazing. But then I go home and I read the headlines and I watch the arguments and I listen to story after story of injustice that's out there. And also I'm daily coming face to face with things like my lack of ability to communicate well with my girls, struggles to love them well, or times like after a long and frustrating day at work, coming home and I snap at my husband. See, it's out there and it's in here. And I can feel like I don't even know where to begin. What do I do? Like what's even a first step? because it's out there and it's in here, it can feel insurmountable. I was just having a conversation with my uh, daughter, Ella, 
about some of these justice issues the other day. And she reflected and said, you know, as a teenager, there's not a lot that I can do. It can feel overwhelming. But friends, today I want to help us to have a new imagination in regards to prayer. I think I can feel overwhelmed when I'm believing that I'm all alone and that it's all up to me. But gosh, God is so brilliant. He doesn't just give us this Sermon on the Mount, this Kingdom Manifesto, and then say, well, I'm finished. And so good luck, y'all, like figuring all that out. I'll see you later. No, he, he gives us this gift that empowers us to actually do it. And prayer is key if we're going to operate in his love. And he shares that key with us. And this prayer, this key, it gives us full access, as Mallory said a few weeks ago, to the kingdom power we need to confront injustice through cruciform and creative love. You might be thinking, okay, but how? How does that love actually get in us? How does it flow out of my life naturally, normally? Because no sermon is complete without a Dallas Willard quote. <laughs> Dallas Willard said, God wants to share as much of his power with us that we can possibly stand. It's the practice of prayer that broadens our capacity to receive his power. Another way of saying it, the power to live out his politics comes through the practice of prayer. That's why it's so important because that's how his love gets in us. This prayer, this expression that he's given us uh, this expression of life in the kingdom. It transforms how we see. It shapes and it forms our allegiances, our appetites, our desires. It redefines and reorients us. And this transformative encounter whereby God transforms all of us, each of us, into a community that can actually do this. Because there's no other way there's no other way to live into it. In our own strength, we can't do any of these things. We need God's power. And our loving and generous Father has given us prayer as a gift that opens up full access to all of his kingdom power. So let's uh, take a look quickly just at each phrase so that we can see how this prayer is, is doing these things. And one very important thing that I just wanna mention first is that this prayer is, is not a private prayer. It's one of the reasons why we say it together each and every week. See, individualism is a foundation of our Western culture. It's just what we've been handed. It's what we've inherited. But this American value isn't part of Jesus's teachings. Notice that there's no I's or me's or my's in this prayer. There's only our and us because it assumes that we're connected, that we're part of a community. So prayer is never a private activity, even when done alone. You're never alone in your prayer. 
because you're part of the great family of God. And that transcends every boundary, national, ethnic, cultural, generational, even across time and space, like Ben mentioned at the beginning. He's always mentioning sci-fi references, so. But it's because we're praying with the saints. So it transcends all of that. So let's get to the prayer. The first phrase is our father in heaven. It begins with identity. It starts with who he is, our safe, approachable, safe father. And thus who we are, his sons and his daughters, which is reminding us of our place in the family of God, in the body of Christ. And that reorients us to that truth that we belong to him and to each other. And so in the midst of a world filled with injustice and pain and our own fears that God doesn't care, we pray our father in heaven. The next phrase is hallowed be your name. And Hollywood, it simply means to be set apart, to be revered, or treated with the highest respect. So this is asking God to act. God, let your name be hallowed. And for it to be hallowed, we need to see who you are. So dispel the lies that we believe about you. Because when we're believing lies about God, it, it inhibits us from connecting with him. So release us from those images that we carry around that don't reflect who you are and all the anxiety that comes with it. And so in the midst of Christians misrepresenting God to the world and our own false pictures of God, we pray, hallowed be your name. The next phrase is, let your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is asking for God's kingdom, which is simply where what God wants done is done. So it's saying, let your kingdom transcend all other, all other human kingdoms in here and out there. Saying, let your government come, your politic come, let your way come because we long to see heaven here on earth, all of its justice and beauty and abundance and for all death and scarcity to be purged away. It's this aching, this calling for the full story to be complete, that final reality, that perfect manifestation of his love come to earth. And so in the midst of all the ways systemic racism has robbed people of color and our own brokenness, preventing us from doing justice and loving mercy. We pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next phrase is, give us today our daily bread. And daily bread is simply what's sufficient or enough of what's required to sustain life. So instead of getting sucked into the frenzied and fearful worry that drive, we rest in the truth that God is our provider and will take care of us. 
our bishop, Bishop Todd, has this phrase that he says a lot that I, I just love. He says, there is always enough in the kingdom of God, always. And so this phrase, it cultivates an ongoing and regular dependence on God, trusting in his abundance that he is going to take care of all of our needs. And so in the midst of the wealthy taking advantage of the poor, and in my anxiety over how this pandemic is going to affect our family's finances, we pray, give us today our daily bread. Then comes, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. See, it's not the evil wrong them against the good right us. It's not people groups or political parties. It's inside each of us. It's a line that splits us and we are all both. And this phrase allows us to see the evil in us and not merely the evil in others, which is much easier to do, right? It reminds us that we are called to be a people who forgive and who receive forgiveness, which forms us into that forgiving community of sinners and releases us to be grace receiving and grace giving. And so in the midst of the prevalent sarcasm and snark that we see online and in our own resentment and bitterness towards those who have hurt us, we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here we admit our inability to rescue ourselves. We say, lead me because I cannot lead myself. We don't know what's coming, but God, you do. And you also see how weak we are. And so if there's trouble coming, take us around it. Lead us another way. Deliver us and rescue us and save us from evil. Preserve us, protect us so that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And so in the midst of the unraveling of our society and the very real attacks of the evil one and in our own tendency towards evil, we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It can be hard to know where to start with all the things going on today. As Spencer said though last week, we can only do what we've been given. And friends, our loving and generous Father gives us prayer as a gift, opening up full access to his kingdom power. Where do you struggle to live out the politics of Jesus? What seems impossible? Where do you have a sense of being overwhelmed or weak or not knowing what to do? Maybe you wanna be involved, but you're not really sure how. Maybe you wanna connect with somebody, but every time you engage, it just all goes wrong. What if the first step into this is prayer? 
And maybe something very specific is coming to mind for you, but maybe it's just this nameless groan or an ache. That's okay too. Give yourself over to it in prayer. Let yourself weep and groan and long for things to be made right. How do you need to step into the gift of prayer today? Because we always start in prayer. There's much more we can do after prayer, but it's always the starting point. And praying the Lord's Prayer is the most powerful and political thing that you can do today. It does far more than we often realize. That's why in our Eucharistic liturgy, if you guys remember, we say, now as our Savior taught us, we are bold to pray because it's a bold act. So let's lean into the gift of prayer, letting it shape us and form us into becoming the kinds of people who can actually live out the politics of Jesus and see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.